it's a great season. I think some amazing things are happening uh, during the shutdown. I've seen some remarkable acts of service and generosity. People are reaching out to others. They're showing great kindness. It really has been fantastic. Families are spending more time together. I see people outside enjoying the great outdoors. Uh, neighbors are reaching out. I would say it's love in action. You know, we're continuing this message series today. All you need is love. And today we're talking about real love and fake love. But fake love is, is not allowed here. You know, because at the same time as all those good things that are happening, there are some serious breakdowns happening. You've seen it. People get nasty on Facebook. Or some people have really lost their sense of humor. Uh, some people choosing to be offended very easily. We, we, um, you know, we've got people tattling on their neighbors. You're, you're, you're being conditioned to, uh, intentionally or not, to kind of distrust. Uh, you're, you're, you know, not really able to interact properly with people. And in spite of the data, you're being made to be very afraid of disease and death. And of course, people are very afraid of, of any kind of sickness, not just COVID-19. And COVID-19 is serious. Obviously, we know that. For real, especially for at-risk folks. I was with a, with somebody yesterday who's who is in a severely compromised, and and he's got to take every precaution possible. And those around him have to be very, very cautious. But in a country of uh, in a county, I should say, of a million people, sixteen have have passed away. One hundred and fifty-four have spent time in hospital. So I get that those numbers are rising. It's serious. To, you know, I want you to take precautions and protect yourself. All those things, but. Here's my comment. Those phrases that we're hearing like, hey, it's a new normal, or, you know, we're all in this together, those, those are actually not helpful phrases for us, mostly because they're really not true. You need to think for yourself in this time, and we are all experiencing this differently. Um, we, you know, I'm, I refuse to abandon basic human interaction as it has been throughout human history. So I'm going to be respectful. I'm going to take precautions to help others feel better. If you need me to wear a mask around you, I'll wear a mask, right? But the moment you're ready for a handshake or a hug, I'm there, all right? I don't want you to be afraid. But what is going to get us through all this time of upheaval? I would say the answer to that is love, real, genuine, authentic love. Love is really what you need. Love for other people, love for one another, love for God, and especially love from God, His great boundless love for you. You want to receive that from Him. Now, if you want to read a great masterpiece in the Bible, yeah, read the, the book of Romans. It's a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to uh, believers in the city of Rome, and it's not the easiest letter to read, but the Apostle Paul speaks to right where you and I are at today. That, that you can't fix yourself. We can't fix ourselves, but by grace, God will fix you, forgive you, deliver you from death, set you up to live a victorious life. And by the last quarter of the book, the Apostle Paul delivers this power punch of how to live in the amazing grace and freedom that God gives. Your life, even your very body, your physical body, your, it all belongs to God. And when we yield our life and our very self to Him, He can use us for great things. And the heartbeat of that commitment is not determination. It's not, uh, you know, fierce loyalty. It's love. Love for God, love for other people, and love 
from God. So we're going to read Romans chapter 12. I want you to grab your Bible if you've got a Bible with you. Um, we're in church. Bring your Bible to church. Every time we're at church, you bring your Bible, whether it's digital or paper. I'm a fan of a paper Bible, but I use digital Bibles too. And I want you to get to Romans chapter 12, and we're going to be start at verse 9. Romans 12, verse 9 starts like this. He says, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what's wrong. Hold tightly to what's good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. And when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. And never pay back evil for more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live at peace with everyone. I tell you, this is a a passage that is packed full of great instructions. Lots of kind of one-liner directions there. And we're not going to be able to, to unpack it all. We want to just get back to the top where he says, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Now, what is pretend in your life and what is real? When you think about what's going on right now, what's pretend and what's real? Like a couple of months ago, I thought my retirement account was real. Turns out it's not. You know, I thought the routine of my life was real, but it's not. Now, I I knew that San Jose Sharks had no chance of making the playoffs this year. I wasn't pretending that they would, but, but I thought at least some hockey entertainment was real. No Stanley Cup this year. Big tragedy. Well, many things that we've counted on as real have vanished into thin air. So what's real in your life? And I hope you have some real relationships. You know, the kind where you can bless people and build them up and help them and help one another. And I I hope you have real purpose in your life. And I hope you have meaning. And I hope you have vision for your life. And I hope you have a real sense of God's love for you, even right where you are today, right now, this moment. COVID-19 is stress testing your life in ways we've never seen. But before this is over, your convictions are likely going to be tested, pushed to the limit. You're, you're going to have to wrestle through what it means to be both an American and a Christian. To, to grapple with the line between obeying the government, as the Bible says we ought to, and when to obey God rather than people. That, that may come. And what we're experiencing now is, at best, it's inconvenient. At worst, for some, it's genuine, life-altering hardship and suffering. But it's not persecution. It may even be a violation of constitutional freedoms. An actual persecution may be on the way. But I want you to realize this. According to the verses that we're experiencing, maybe some of this is to be expected. A Christian should expect to experience. I want to just run through the the list that Paul says. We should experience things like this. Hard work, trouble, need, persecution, sadness, conflict, evil or mistreatment, all those things, verses 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, all the way through. Paul said, you can expect to experience these things. That's part of what, part of the package. 
You know, in the, in the years leading up to my 16th birthday, I yearned for a driver's license. I, I just, I just imagined all the freedom of driving. I, I literally remember turning 12 years old. The year was 1980. I turned 12 and I said to myself, four more years and I get to drive. But I just longed for it. I mean, it helped that I'd done a little driving on the farm at 11 years old. I was driving the 1966 Chev C10 that my dad had. It was a hay truck. I wasn't big enough to throw hay bales. So I drove the, the three on the tree, uh, C10 with no power steering through the, the field. It was great fun. Um, terrifying truck to drive, you know, stick shift and, and, uh, crashed into a post. That didn't help. Right? Well, what I didn't know was that the freedom of driving would not be as free as I thought it was going to be. For one thing, you have to get a car. That's a significant hurdle when you're 16 years of age. Plus insurance and gas and maintenance. And then there's rules, right? Especially speed limits. Turns out freedom isn't really free. And likewise, you may have been told that, that becoming a follower of Jesus would make your life just easy, just smooth, no troubles, no struggles, victory all the time, blessing upon blessing, glory, hallelujah. That's maybe what you were told. But maybe you, whoever told you forgot to tell you about Paul's list that we just read, hard work, trouble, need, persecution, conflict, and so on. And yet... The good news here is that Paul has another list embedded in this passage of what we can expect as well on the good side. He says we can enjoy things like this. Good relationships, verse 10. Serving God, verse 11. Hope, verse 12. Hospitality, verse 13. Happiness, verse 15. Harmony, verse 16. I think I left out a generosity is in there too when he says share with your brothers and sisters that are in need. There's generosity that goes around. Lots of good things as well. So it's kind of like the best moments of, of being 16, driving the car, and yet knowing that there is a cost, there's a price, there's fuel and insurance to still come due. Okay, so how does all this really work? It works when we love, when we really love. Paul says, not just pretending to love, no fake love. So what do we need to do then to put authentic Love into action. And Paul gives us four things out of this passage. And we're going to just go through them. Four things. To reject evil. To commit to good. To prioritize people. And to honor others. Four things. First he says. To make love real. We need to real. We need to reject evil. Or, or as he says in the New Living Translation. Puts it. Hate what is wrong. Uh, another translation says. Hate what is evil. Back to my teen years. I, I heard a lot of preaching against the music that I liked. I wasn't even like a headbanger. I wasn't listening to heavy metal music, right? But, you know, I was told, you know, just, just, you know, we were told to destroy our records and tapes, uh, not only for the lyrics, which some were, probably were not good. I, I was too naive to know, but, but because apparently anything with a beat was evil. It was bad. It was wrong, right? And it was a very simplistic view. And, and yes, there was some dark stuff there celebrating you know, demonic themes, and, and that went up in flames as it probably should have, but, but lots of great music went into the trash. Well, I'm not crazy about that time, but here's what I like about those things at that time. At least, at least, it was active and not passive. We were actually expected to do something about convictions. We were challenged to physically reject evil. And I confess, 
you know, when you think about what's in the media today, what's on Netflix or Amazon Prime, you watch movies, whatever, we get pretty desensitized, I do, to what's there and we kind of dismiss it. And so I think it's really good to ask God to open our eyes to those things that glamorize sin, wickedness, violence, and so on, and then reject it. And that's easier said than done. But he's inviting us to not just be passive about it, but to be active about rejecting evil. So I want you to just take a moment. If you're, again, if you're sitting with somebody today in your living room or whatever, just just say, just ask each other, what does it mean for us to reject evil? What would it mean to reject evil? I'll just give you a moment to talk about that. What would it mean to reject evil? All right. Remember, we're looking for something active and not passive. All right. Hopefully you can keep talking about that later. We'll keep going because there's a second thing that, that Paul says. He says to commit to the good and, and also in verse 9 or hold tightly to what is good. Cling to that which is good. If you have, for example, a devotional habit of reading God's word and praying uh, daily, I will tell you this. Your schedule, your life, the, the, your commitments are going to constantly assault that practice. You gotta to cling to it because it's something that is good. My, my parents, who are, uh, in their senior years, they have a, they have a practice of reading, uh, from a devotional book every morning at breakfast, and then they pray through a prayer list. And if you're a guest in their home, um, you're gonna participate. You may even be asked to do the reading on that, on that morning. And I, and I love this. In, in, and even when they have guests in their home who are not followers of Jesus, who are not believers, um, they keep doing it. They stay at it. It's a commitment to do that which is good. Well, what else is good? Generosity is good. Kindness is good. Serving is good. Listening to people is good. Worship is good. God's word is good. Right? We are acting on love. We're putting love into practice. Real, genuine, authentic love. When we commit to what is good. So there's one more thing. I want you to, again, turn to each other. Just talk about what's good that we're committed to. What can we commit to that is good? Just give you a moment to talk about that. We want to commit to that which is good. All right. Rejecting evil, committing to the good. And the third thing, that Paul's talking about here is to prioritize people. Or, or as he, he says, love each other in verse 10. Love each other with genuine affection. As, or another translation says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. You know, I had a, a pretty long to-do list yesterday on, on Saturday. And in the middle of the day, I got a call from a guy who, who needed me to drop by for a bit. And uh, honestly, I didn't really want to at that moment. I would rather have done it. Today or, or later that evening, uh, it was an inconvenience to me and to the, to the family. But I knew it would be good to do. I knew it was the right thing to do. And I was really glad for the opportunity to connect. I really had wanted to connect with him. But just the timing was a bit kind of inconvenient. You know, here's what I learned. To-do lists can usually wait. So we need to make people a priority in our lives. And uh, that's real love. It turns out that, 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 that the encounter was very, very timely. It was just an awesome time of just visiting, just kind of a driveway, well-distanced driveway visit for a little bit. 
And uh, we were both blessed and encouraged because of it. Uh, make people a priority. Are you making people a priority in your life? Are you thinking beyond yourself in these days? And the last thing that Paul talks about here is that we, are to, we ought to honor others. We ought to honor, honor others. Uh, and this is a little different than being devoted to each other. Honor is what lifts people up. I, uh, I was guilty just before the message today. I, I kind of made a I made a joke that kind of was a little bit of a dig at somebody that wasn't wasn't good. I did it the other day in my Zoom connection group. I kind of teased somebody, and I kind of realized how easy it is to fall into that rather than rather than honoring people. Every year or two, I like to get to a conference, like to take our staff as well to to one of the kind of more charismatic church conferences, especially Assemblies of God. And one reason is because they're so good at honor. They, um, you know, if there's multiple speakers in a conference day, every speaker that gets up will, you know, he'll spend the first few minutes of his talk honoring the host and, and uh, you know, talking about how that previous speaker has been so influential in their lives and how grateful they are and, and applauding all the volunteers that are making this whole thing happen and thanking people for coming and and, uh, you know, when the, when the, when somebody's preaching on the stage, that the guys in the front row will sometimes stand up and say, yes, yes, you go. And it's just, it's just a culture of honor. It, it's, it's quite fun. And, and I like that because they're learning to honor each other. And as I said, this is definitely a growth area in my own life to, to be, as Paul says, somebody who takes delight in honoring uh, each other. It's sometimes a little harder and doesn't get the quick laughs that a, that, that, a, that a sarcastic jab will get, but it feels good to receive honor and sure feels good to give it. So this is how love is developed in the body of Christ, rejecting evil, committing to good, prioritizing people, honoring others. And it sounds exactly like what Jesus did for you and me, doesn't it? Didn't Jesus reject evil, commit to good? Didn't he prioritize people and honor others? I want to invite the worship team to, to join me on the platform here and, and prepare to lead us in a, in a closing song. But we want to be people who are known for authentically loving others. I, I like that, that Paul says, do things in such a way that everyone can see you're honorable. You know, as we come through this pandemic season, I would love for people to come out of this and say, you know, the people that Bethany Church, they reached out, they cared for me. The people at Bethany Church, they, they helped me when I had a need. And, and I hope that will be true for you. That, that we want to be people who honor others. Who, who, who really prioritize people. Who are committed to what's good and reject what's evil. You know, we have some other giving opportunities. You can find that on our, on our website this week. But lastly, I, friend, I just never want to miss an opportunity for you to give your own life to Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life. Maybe you've never come to that place of saying, Jesus, I want to be your follower. It's not difficult. We hear we just talk about the ABCs. It's the, the A is to admit that I'm a sinner and B is to believe that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died for me and took my sin and C is to commit that Jesus is my Lord. And if you're at a place where you want to give your life to Jesus, where you're ready to to leave it behind, if you're tired of living in fear, if you're tired of of living in, 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 in a sense of purposelessness and abandonment, today would be a great to say, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. And, and it's not hard. You just pray a simple prayer like this. Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. 
I need you to save me. I believe you're the Son of God, that you died for my sin, that you rose again. And I commit today to follow you as the Lord and leader of my life. Amen. And if you prayed a prayer like that, would you let us know? We'd love to help you with that. Friends, what a blessing it is to be a place where where we can really love and not just fake it. Really love.